This is a podcast from ABC Radio Overnights. I'm Rod Quinn. On ABC Radio, you're with Rod Quinn. Time for our weekly look at the world of health and fitness with Professor Gordon Lynch. And Gordon, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Rod. Gordon, when do we start ageing? Well, we start ageing from a... (laughs) From a very early age, uh, I think it's a bit, bit surprising that you know we, if we're thinking about our physical capacity and especially our muscle health, um, we start aging. You know, after the age of say thirty-five, forty, things start to go a little bit southward, and and there's a there's a reason for it. I mean, we've got differences in or in the way hormones are produced and circulated these are the hormones that sort of keep muscles healthy and keep them at a certain size and and so on as we're getting older and it's just, we don't sort of wake up one morning look in the mirror and think where have all my muscles gone it's a slow progressive thing that happens over you know we're talking about years and decades but over that time we're losing muscle mass so that's the amount of muscle and with that, we, we lose strength. So that's muscles become shrink, they shrink, they, they become weaker. And it's a condition called sarcopenia. And we have discussed sarcopenia on, on several occasions. But it's, as a, you know, it's a slow, progressive process. And it can lead, you know, eventually, if, we, if we've got shrinking muscles and weaker muscles, we, we get become more frail, it becomes harder to perform the tasks that we take for granted in the activities of daily living. And, and those things all relate to quality of life. So why it happens? Well, there are a whole range of various reasons. I mentioned hormone levels, but that's just one factor. There are intrinsic things that are happening to our muscles, our nerves, the, the, you know, the nerves that control the muscles. We've got changes in our activity patterns. We've got changes in our diet, so our nutritional factors. All of these, the, these things contribute together uh, in terms of a, an environment which is either conducive to retaining muscle health or slowly progressively wasting and becoming weaker. So we're really trying to fight this, these metabolic changes and these structural changes in order, uh, ideally, we want to be able to perform tasks of daily living, want to live independently from a physical capacity point of view. And most of us, as we get older, we realize that you know, our muscles don't look or perform the same way they did when they were younger. And hopefully there are some things that we can do about this problem. Some things we can do, some things we can't do, and there are some things we haven't discovered as yet as well. Okay. Now, one of the interesting things, though, that people have looked at are people who not only exercise as they get older, but exercise at a pretty high level. And we're not talking about Olympic athletes or people like that. We're talking about masters. And masters are people of a certain age, and there are masters games all over the world. There's masters sports and all sorts of things. You don't have to represent Australia. You maybe just do it in your local area or in your state. But by looking at those people who exercise a little bit better than the rest of us, well, we've learned something, haven't we? Yeah, we have, and, and and there are sort of there's a range of different levels. There there are former Olympians that would be masters levels, and you know the very top level masters level athletes are those. I think they're essentially a minority group, but they're people that have trained and competed in athletic events or sports, you know, for most of their lives. And the thing we can learn from from studying, you know, these are highly 
fit, they're highly motivated people. I think <laughs> the sort of sobering message we get from even studying masters level athletes, even those exercising at a, at a high level, is that this level of activity isn't sufficient to stop aging from occurring. We need to, we need to be, you know, have a realistic outlook here. Older athletes, you know, whether they're sprinters, whether they're marathon runners, whether they're weightlifters, they simply don't perform the way, the way they did when they were younger. Even the you know, Olympic level athletes, when they get older, they're not performing the same way. They're slower, they're less powerful than they were, and, and that's the reality of aging. But I, I, that's not the point I want to make about the Masters athletes. You know, these are highly active older individuals, and they're remaining more physically capable as they're getting older. So the, the activity they're doing, even if it's not performing at the, at the Olympic level, it really, you know, who really cares? They're more capable of performing the tasks of daily living. They're more able to live independently. So exercise... The message here is exercise is helping these master's level athletes retain a better quality of life. This has just been published in the Journal of Physiology. So what specifically, though, are master's athletes doing that we should be doing, even if we're not performing at a master's level? That's the real point of this research is that you know, the master's people tend to be in this sort of minority because they're, they're, they're training and they're competing you know, at a pretty high level for, for most of their, of their lives. But what about people who are more recreational you know if we want to just exercise with a purpose of course but the idea being if we do you know some form of exercise is, is it going to be useful for us um, as we get older and this is research as you say just just published it's from the University of Copenhagen in, in, in Denmark they found that people these individuals that were kept physically active throughout their adult life and it, they could be doing resistance exercise, they could be having ball games, racket sports, they could be swimmers, they could be people that ride bikes, they could be rowers and so on. They had a greater number of muscle stem cells, these are called satellite cells, in the muscles. These These are cells which are very important for the repair of muscle during everyday activity. So we're not very conscious of this, but during everyday activities, our muscles are, you know, there's micro damage occurring to our muscles. It's being repaired on a daily level. We don't really notice it's going on. And they're relying upon these particular cells to do their job about repairing the muscle to keep it the way it should. And this was a small study, relatively speaking, less than 50, about 46 male participants, young sedentary people, elderly people who are lifelong exercisers, and elderly people that were essentially sedentary and they didn't do much. And they evaluated their physical capacity. They did a muscle function test, a sort of a knee extension movement to look at the, the big muscles of the quadriceps. They looked how much force was produced. They took blood samples and they took muscle samples, muscle biopsies from both legs of these. In, in Europe especially, you know, the taking of these biopsies in these studies is is, is more routine than it is elsewhere, and they can really make a lot of uh, impact from, from taking these samples. And what they found was that these lifelong el- exercises who were elderly actually outperformed both the sedentary elderly and the young sedentary adults. So it's really interesting to think that just recreational level of exercise, not, not, not performing in, in Olympic Games or anything like that, just being consistent with their exercise, their muscle repair capacity, the, number, the amount of satellite cells they had within their muscles, 
was much higher. So they, they, they're trying to use this as a biomarker to say, is there a link between exercise, aging, and muscle health? They looked at the number of muscle satellite cells with these exercises and they found a much higher level of these cells in those that did even recreational level of exercise. So this level of exercise is, is one way which can use to protect against these age-related effects. Gordon Lynch is our guest as we talk about exercise being the key to healthy ageing. So what are the practical tips that people might take up if they think, well, sure, yeah, I'm sedentary now and I'm never going to be a Masters athlete. I've looked at this research and the Masters athletes are better than me. I'm never going to reach that level. What can I learn from them? Yeah, so I think this research is telling us that even some level of activity goes a long way. Um, practically speaking, if, you know, we would like to, rem- to live independently. We want, we want to perform tasks of daily living which allow us to live independently. So, so what are those things? What attributes, what physical attributes do we need to live independently? And I think essentially we'll, we, we can break it down to think we need some degree of muscle strength and power, so getting up out of a chair, opening cupboards, etc. And we need some level of muscle endurance. We don't want to be fatigued during activities. We need to perform our tasks without getting tired. Or at the end of the day, we might be tired, but at least we've been able to, to, to do those tasks. So if we're designing a training program with healthy aging in mind and thinking about the preservation of those activities, we really design a program that takes all of those things into consideration. So resistance training, lifting weights, we've talked about this on, on, on the show so many times, it's you know, the health of our muscles, our bones, our joints, you know, every body system benefits from lifting weights. And, and this study has really shown, you know, the benefits for the muscle satellite cells as well. So resistance training is a staple, but don't forget that, you know, the muscle endurance part of it and the general capacity to perform everyday tasks, we need some aerobic exercises as well. We need to have that resistance to fatigue. So, you know, the exercises that we do like walking or riding a bike or swimming, all those exercises that were really featured in this latest research, all of them go some ways to, to helping preserve that level of muscle function. So other things were, you know, being active rather than inactive, so the incidental activities and also the, the chores that we do, the gardening, the household activities and so on, all of those become important. And the other thing to consider is the foods we eat, the nutritional side. We can do the physical side um, and do the, pay attention to the activities we're performing, but it's also the foods we eat to nourish those muscles, to sustain the amount of muscle that we have. So protein intake is very important, and we need to pay attention to those foods that we consume on a daily basis that help maintain muscle. So we can do all the activities, but we need to feed them as well. So I think that's really another another segment in and of itself in terms of how we eat for healthy aging, and we can cover that at a future time. But it really goes together. The practical tips are the activities we perform to allow us to perform tasks of daily living, but also be able to feed those muscles as well. So really important outcomes from this research, which is showing even recreational level of of exercise, not necessarily Olympic level or master's level, uh, everyone can benefit from performing regular physical activity. That is your take-home message, get active and stay active. It really is. And I think if we're we're sort of doing an appraisal of ourselves and we think, well, um, am I really 
paying attention to these things and some people may be put off by thinking oh, I, I'm not an athlete, I have no intention of doing those things. You don't have to. What the research is telling us is that just doing that little bit of exercise, that recreational activities on most days of the week, thinking that are you being more active than inactive? So if you've got the physical capacity to be active, try and do that every single day. And you know, that really helps to maintain muscle health and it allows us to, I, I think, uh, the idea of independent living is a pretty attractive one. If we can do that for as long as possible, that's beneficial for the individual, their peace of mind, their ability to, to live independently and also for their carers and families. And that's an important thing as well, because for some people, this comes upon you pretty quickly that all of a sudden you realize, hang on, I've got arthritis or I can't move the way I used to. And your life changes completely. I did mention that this was a slow, progressive thing. I mean, we don't sort of wake up one morning and think, oh, all of our muscles have disappeared. But because it is slow and progressive, we can intervene, and that is intervene at any age, to to benefit from exercise. Even the oldest old, its research has shown very clearly, if you get older people to perform exercise, they have a benefit in terms of how the muscles adapt, so that the capacity to adapt is still there, and they report being better able to perform those tasks which give them meaning in terms of their independence and so on. So a really important health message uh, that we can take, all of us can take on board. And remember, age should not be a barrier. We can design programs to suit anyone. Just make sure that you get the approval of your specialist or your doctor uh, about certain activities you can perform and some that you shouldn't be performing and programs can be tailored to suit that person, to enable them, I think, to to benefit from the research we've showcased this week. All right. Gordon, thank you very much for that. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot, Rod. Gordon Lynch, Health and Fitness. Overnights with Rod Quinn. On ABC Radio.